Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 316, covering The Void and Workforce, Part 1. Hi, friends. Well, after this week, we got ten episodes of Voyager left, five episodes of Post-Atomic Horror after this. That, that's Counting it. down. Come, coming into the final stretch. Yep. So that's something. God, I... <clears throat> just... The end yes. is in sight. This is the first time, like, we've done... This is the third seven-season show we've covered, mm-hmm. obviously. But this is the first time, like, we've really just wanted to be done. I mean, we were excited to be done with Next Gen because the last season was not great. And, and we were heading DS9 into on the horizon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the first time it's just been, oh, just, just end. Just put a bullet in this show, man. This is, this is like the large version of our how much time is left. Uh-huh. Uh, 20 minutes, really? Yeah, 20, uh, 20? there's 20 minutes of uh, of a show left. Yeah, there's that 10 episodes still? Oh, God. Oh, man. There were 10 episodes left last time I checked. Come I've been, on. I've been watching this for so long. Yeah. Just, and, keep, yeah it, just keep pushing Voyager up the hill. It has its moments still, even still. Oh, yeah. This week, in fact, there was one that uh, between the two of us, I, w- I would say we liked. But, I mean, God, they're just so few and far between now at this point. And the rest of it is such boring mediocrity. And and even, like, and I felt this way more than you, I think, about this first episode, which we'll get into in a minute. Mm-hmm. E- even the good ones have, like, it, it takes a while to get there. Like, it's not just an unqualified success. Like, mm. this episode is great. Like, this episode is great, but at least for me. Yeah, no, I thought it was fine. But even still, even let's say we both completely agree that this first episode, The Void, was fantastic. That's what, two so far in season seven? Yeah. Two out of 22 or whatever. Yeah. What was the other one? I don't remember off the top of my head, but there was one other one we quite liked. Oh, uh, it was the Bellana. Bellana wants to uh, change her baby one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Which was another sort of like uh, character driven, philosophical, like those are the ones that seem to be working. But let's, before we get into a discussion, why don't you tell us what actually. I, I'm sorry, the description, Bellana wants to change her baby. I mean, just from hearing that, it's just like, I don't see the problem with that. She should change her baby. <laughs> but, you know, it's covered in, it's covered in shit. I don't mean change as in change. I mean change as in change. Duh. Uh huh. Come on, pick up on the subtle cues of my voice that, that imply different meaning, man. Gotta change the baby. Yep. Well, we could all use a little change. Beep, 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 beep. All right. All right. Tell us about the void, won't you? All right. So Seven's trying to cook dinner for these idiots and inject a little fucking culture into their lives when the ship get atta- gets attacked by a funnel. Seriously, an invisible funnel stretches out and sucks up the ship like so much blended ice and cola-flavored syrup. Then they're almost instantly attacked and burgled by strangers. And then some weird, almost Cardassian motherfucker shows up and goes, Welcome to the void! And everyone's excited to have a title, I guess. Yes, The Void. A giant black circle full of nothing but angry ships who just rob each other all day. We've legitimately found the intergalactic jerk store. So Janeway does what any of us would do in these circumstances. She forms a fucking protection racket. Just strolling around the void. Nice dilithium crystals. Be a real shame if something happened to them. You know, these would be protected in the Alliance. And it works! 
She pulls together a little team of like-minded people in the Void, sticks to the principles of Starfleet, and uses teamwork to protect her friends and escape the Void. It's almost like somebody around here actually knows how to write Star Trek for a change. You seem surprised by the space funnel, but one of your favorite episodes is about a space funnel. That, that's, a, that's a space tube. You called it a funnel back in the day. Did I call it no, a funnel? Well, you, you did, but I mean, we've been through a lot of Star Trek since then, and you could certainly modify your definition of funnel. Well, I was a different person back then. I mean, we both were. Not There's a better a problematic person. problematic stuff. No, definitely not. No. So, I mean, I know a correlation is not causation, but it has seeing all this Voyager made us better people? I mean, did... Or is that just a coincidence? I, I could not tell you at this point in my life. <laughs> did... I just wanted to end. <laughs> Is, does Voyager help make me a better person? I can't imagine how that could possibly be true. Well, you are a better person now than you were two years ago when we started Voyager. And mm -hmm. again, that, that one does not follow the other necessarily. That could just be a coincidence. I feel like but. watching all of Deep Space Nine probably did that. Mm, nah, maybe the first time around. See, this, that's the me. thing. I watched Deep, all of Deep Space Nine the first time and I became a better person than I was before that. Yeah. And then I watched it again and I became a better person than I was before that. Well, maybe you should just watch it again. I will. Always right be DS9ing. Yep. Let's skip the credits. That song's a little little dry. Matt's being a better person. <laughs> Here comes Garrick. No, we gotta we gotta we gotta do this thing. Ugh, alright. So well we liked this episode. We did a lot. Yeah, I, I let me get into my bad thing real quick. Let's get this out of the way because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, and I want to just get the one yeah. sort of big thing out of the way, and then we can then we can move on. Um, I, I really actually ended up quite liking it, but when I went in, I mean, these days it's no secret. I go in, oh god, what what tedious garbage is this? I mean, you know, I, I'm not pretending to be objective at this point. Sure, we know I'm going in expecting the worst. I am not keeping an open mind about Voyager anymore. <laughs> But I think 150 episodes behind me give me that right. No, at this point, at, at, at this point, I think, you know, we've we've seen enough Voyager to decide. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that great. Well, I mean, basic pattern recognition. Sure. If, if the same thing happens to you over and over and over again, you, you learn to expect that. Maybe, but, maybe this one will be good. Yeah. Definition of insanity, Matt. <laughs> but the thing is, like, and it, and it had a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the attributes of episodes I really don't like in the first, I'd say, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a lot of dead weight getting things into position and setting up what was going on instead of just, like, getting on with it. A yeah. lot of... And I know Braga is actually off, I believe, developing Enterprise at this point, or at the very least, he's not running this show. I believe that's why, because he's he's uh, working on what will become Enterprise. <laughs> come on, come on, Brandon. You're going to work on another Star Trek. Another one? Oh, God. How or long might will be... I be chained to this albatross? <laughs> until the network tells us to stop. Until the network stops handing us large bags of money. I suppose that's true. I'm Rick Berman, the jerk. Ugh. Um, Why don't you go piss up a that. rope, Rick Berman? <laughs> but uh, I, what, what I, I mean, he might just be taking a little break. I don't know. Regardless, he's not actually uh, like d d very hands-on with the show at this point. I think he might have a hand in a couple episodes, but he's not like the, the active participant he was before. But that said... The first 15 minutes or so of this felt very Braga in that we had this high concept sci-fi con thing of the void that pulls us in and this area of space. Plus, we've seen that before. We had that dark area where there were no stars for a long period of time and we've sure. been trapped in areas of space with other ships before. Like, it's been done a lot. But 
okay, do something new with it. And eventually they did. But at the beginning, it didn't feel like they were. And they kept talking about, I don't know, tachyons or gravitons or whatever the fuck it was. And just, it's, it's that thing where it's like, well, here's how the void works. Yeah. And I don't care. Just like, get it in there. Like, like just, guys, just get the story going. You banged it out in like a second. Like, it's a big, not not a circle, but like a loop. It's like a big yeah. loop in space that's full of nothing. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's a good concept. Mm-hmm. It's the idea is that all these ships are just trapped in there and always have been trapped in there. And if they want to keep going, all they can do is steal resources from other ships. And it never occurred to anyone to say, "Hey, maybe don't steal. Maybe try to get along." And and that's when it turned a corner and got good. Yeah, but it just took a while to get there. That was really my only problem with it. And once. The greatness started to shine through, and it became about Kate trying to figure out how to make things work here. Yeah. Then I really liked it. No, she's got a – it's actually my quote. She's got a great speech in this about how, like, yeah, no, we're not – we're not – look, I realize that we're stuck and we all might die, but we're not giving up our Starfleet principles just because of that. But I've become convinced that we've got to stick to our principles, not abandon them. Should the crew be ready to die for those principles? If the alternative means becoming thieves and killers ourselves, yes. But I'm betting that our principles are going to keep us alive. Captain? The Federation is based on mutual cooperation. The idea that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Voyager can't survive here alone. But if we form a temporary alliance with other ships, maybe we can pool our resources and escape. As you pointed out, the people we've encountered in this void are thieves and killers. Such individuals are hardly ideal allies. I agree. Then who are we going to form an alliance with? Anyone who agrees to play by our rules. No killing, no stealing, and no giving up. Forgive me, Captain, but why would anyone who has survived by killing and stealing suddenly agree to those terms? We'll offer to share our food and medical supplies and defend ships that are attacked by raiders. Captain, maybe you'd better take another look at that inventory. Our food and power reserves will be gone within a week. If we start giving everything away... Maybe we'll only survive for two days instead of seven. On the other hand, if we share what we have instead of hoarding it, we might find other people willing to do the same. If we combine our technology, we can find ways of improving our situation and ultimately get the hell out of this place. We're going to bring people together and we're going to trade and we're going to fucking get out of this together like a family like a federation yeah which at first it started out like she was reading the federation charter and what she said was yeah i'm looking for some kind of loophole that says we're allowed to raid other ships or kill guys or whatever like really really for some reason they didn't put that in here yeah but i and i didn't love that but then what she said was you know what i read them and the 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 you know the articles of federation or whatever it's called their constitution and and like oh yeah we, you know, we walk around being smug. This is why we're smug, because we're actually pretty great. Instead of talking about how great we are, let's actually do something great. Mm-hmm. And that's why this, I thought, was better than the uh, everyone walks around talking about how the death penalty is bad episode. Because yeah. instead of saying it's wrong, they went and, and illustrated their principles by yeah. like telling people, hey join our thing and things will work. We'll give you, we'll, we'll exchange technology. We'll, we'll uh, hash out strategies together. Yeah. And I really like that. And I love her refusing to abandon her principles. There's a great argument with her and Tuvok who 
doesn't necessarily disagree with her, but obviously wants to do the logical thing and the tactically mm-hmm. sound thing, which are both kind of the same thing this time, which is fucking everyone for themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, we probably could get away with raiding one. Uh, there's a great moment, honestly, at the end where this dude that they've pulled into their gang basically steals like this thing they need. Yep. And she finds out that he stole it. And she's like, nope, here, take this. You're out. I'm done. And everyone's it's- looking at her like we 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 had the thing. We need the thing to get back. Now we'll have to figure something else out. Yeah, but he stole the thing. That's not that's not how we do. Yeah, it's it's caretaker all over again. Yeah, it's we could blow up this array and go back to the Alpha Quadrant and fuck these guys or but we're better help these guys. Yeah. And and that was like for all the problems I had with the Voyager pilot, that was one good moment where I kind of like, well, that was a tough decision. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the same decision any of the other uh, captains would have made, but I respect her for it. Yeah. No, it's, and, uh, it's, it's great. That, I mean, that's pretty much my good thing is. Yeah. Like this is this episode of Voyager is not just like it's not just a good Voyager episode. This is a good Star Trek episode. This is you watch this and it's like, yeah, this is what Star Trek's about. Yeah. Like, but I, I was like, I'm watching it right. And I'm like, this is everything except for the seeking out new life and exploration and shit. And then the rat people showed up. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a great uh, sort of B plot that, that ties into everything that's very first contact with a strange new species. So the, the, there's some so, of that too. So there's like these, um, there's these little rodent people that basically mm-hmm. teleport between ships and sort of live like these weird, like nomadic. Uh, yeah. They have a, they have a strange metabolism. So the scanners don't pick them up as life forms. So yeah. they can often sneak on your ship without anyone spotting you. It's an interesting evolution thing. That's like, so how long has this void been sucking ships in? Yeah. A really long time. Why isn't it crammed full of dead ships? Well, it kind of, I mean, it kind of is. I guess that's true. They know they actually say that at one point. They're like, yeah, it's like 300 ships out there. 20 of them have people on them. Yeah, they keep stripping all the other ones or at at the very best bringing crew aboard their ships, but, but so they more bring, likely killing them. Yeah, but so they bring one of these guys on or they catch one of these guys and they bring them on board. The doctor starts poking them with a stick mm-hmm. and some dude shows up like, yeah, those are like rodent people. They fucking they're not real. They're like animals. They steal all our shit. And then the doctor gives him a flute and he starts communicating with other rodents with it. It's fucking awesome. Well, it's, it's not exactly a flute. That's no, a robot flute. Yeah, it's like a it's like a Simon game. Beep beep. It's just a beeping beeping box. And and eventually when he meets more of his people, they teach they basically make this whole R2D2 language. Yeah. And communicate to each other with these beeping boxes. They don't have a verbal language, but they basically have built a a, a language you can hear and understand, which is pretty great. Yeah, it's awesome. And the doctor, like, this is one of the rare times where the doctor is not his one note uh, arrogant singer guy, but actually uh, like a good physician and a good scientist, and yep. like his interest in these guys is actually good. Yeah, you know, irritate me for a change. Yeah, no, I'm watching it. He turns on like ah, I got some opera for you to listen to. I'm like, oh, here we fucking go uh, again. Uh-huh. But no, it was good. No, because the dude, the the guy liked the the sound, like the yeah. notes, and he was trying to emulate them. And he's like, wait a minute. Maybe maybe you do understand a type of communication. This is cool. But if I sing at you for a while, well, I don't think that's entirely necessary. <laughs> Didn't we take your singing? No, no, out? I insist. Uh, I I know you do. Just just <sighs> stop. Yeah. Now and and the uh, the main uh, rodent guy, as you call them, was played by uh, Jonathan Del Arco, who played uh, Hugh the Borg. Oh. Which the thing is. He didn't speak in this, and both roles involved heavy, very different makeup. So there's no possible way we could have known that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of more physical, nonverbal stuff in this one instead of like big puppy dog eyes. Jordy, I am your friend. But uh, I love Jordy. 
but he's pretty good here too. So, you know. Yeah. Good work, Hugh. Yeah. Good. I like when they find a good recurring like guest star and, and put them to use somewhere else and it works. Like yeah. showing Jeffrey Coombs. Yeah. Well, we won't see him again for a little while, but he'll be back. I miss him. Also, it's it's Combs. Is it really? Yes, it is. Oh, man, he's going to come to my house and talk at me. <laughs> That'd be all right. Yeah, no, it would. I've, I've recently been doing a rewatch of the uh, DC Animated Universe and uh, reminded of how great he was as the question. The tips on the end of your shoelaces are called aglets. Their true purpose is sinister. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Um... But yeah, the the that part of it was really cool too, with the with the rodent guys learning how to speak. And the thing is, what I really liked was we had this whole building of a tiny federation. Like, okay, we're all in the same trouble. Let's all pool our resources, yeah. figure things out. And what was really cool about it was, as the episode went on, we tested those principles mm-hmm. because we had a dude, like you said, who stole a thing, and she's like, "Nope, sorry, that is You're against done. the rules. You are out." And then we had some guys who were into spying, and it was another test. Mm-hmm. It was like, hmm, okay, well, violating our core principles is wrong. Is spying wrong? Well, ah! and it's like we're going through what a civilization goes through as you mature and as you say, okay, well, all this stuff is great in principle, but when it comes down to it, are we willing to do this? Are we willing to do this? And, yeah. and Janeway had a bunch of different places where she had to decide what was okay and what was completely not okay and i love that well and also like what like what punishment is fit like i feel like the spying thing is wrong but also like you know don't do it again whereas the stealing thing is like no you're done like we're not doing this again yeah we told you no more scavenging this is not what we do and also the racism against the uh the the rodent guys yeah no that's another thing it's like oh if you hate other you're gonna be racist you can get the fuck out and the thing is, I get it from these guys' perspective, sort of. Like, okay, no one's ever actually made intelligent contact with these guys. They just appear on our ships as if by magic because we can't detect them. Mm-hmm. And they take our stuff and eat our food and leave. Like, that's not great. But yeah. She's like, no, we've proven that they're intelligent. Knock it off. And that's when he should have and he didn't. Yeah. So, I like that. Sorry, buddy, you're out. Oh. Yep. Now you're on your own. And oh. then, I mean, it's fairly predictable, but not necessarily in a bad way. Those guys end up being the the last piece that they need to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Like um, they have a lot of different people contributing different things to to help everyone escape, and the rodent guys end up being able to to make the final push, which I really liked. Yeah, no, the, just that whole. Oh, you guys were nice to us. No one else has ever been nice to us. You gave us flutes. Yeah, it was like a it was like a, a fable. Yeah, it's like you you took the thorn out of my paw, so now I will uh, now I will like rescue you or Ewoks. But, you gave me a granola bar, so we'll help you win your war. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. What <laughs> is giving just... granola bars to small to small people in Star Wars? It's kind of a yeah. theme that runs through all those movies. Yeah, I suppose so. But uh, you know, these guys weren't scared of hats, as far as we know. Well, hats are pretty terrifying. I don't think that they are. I don't like hats, but I, I wouldn't say that they're terrifying as such. Oh man, I just remembered Carrie Fisher's delivery of "It's a hat." Yeah. Oh, uh, now I miss Carrie Fisher. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, she was great. It's a hat. <laughs> I feel like Carrie Fisher would have made a good Captain Janeway, actually. There's a similar quality about them. Oh, like, God, that would have been she's, amazing. She's better, but, I mean, like, Kate Mulgrew's great. But Oh, uh, yeah. Carrie Fisher's, like, movie star version of that kind of, like, 
like uh, older woman who's, who's like still feminine, but also tough. And like there's a lot of lot of stuff going on there that are similar, I think. Similar voices, too. Yeah. yeah. Bring back Han, bring back our son. <laughs> I'm looking for Luke. <laughs> oh, boy. Listen, I'm a huge fan of hers, but uh, yeah, she did. Uh, she did sound a bit like Lunch Lady Doris. Got a little husky towards the end there. I saw, I saw her uh, one woman show when she came to Seattle, the uh, Wishful Drinking, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a, a filmed version of it is definitely worth your time. I think it was film. Maybe it was re- audiobook. Regardless, there's a there's a like you can still experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's just her monologuing for like an hour about her life and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Yeah, I had point, sex with Harrison Ford. Yeah, she didn't say that at that point. She did have the uh, this giant um, Princess Leia like life size statue out there as a prop at one point, talking about how it was apparently a sex doll in in certain places and how <laughs> she was flattered but creeped out, but also flattered. And... Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, it was good. Anyway, um, completely derailed rather, the episode. <laughs> I'd rather just talk about Carrie Fisher. Oh man! But no, this this episode was good. Yeah. I enjoyed this. Uh, I I actually your your other good thing you had a couple here mm-hmm. was kind uh, of a, a lesser point. I love uh, so the I mentioned this in my summary. The episode opens with seven cooking for everybody in the mess hall, mm-hmm. and I kind of love it. And I, she does that super like scientific like no, I have prepared the dish to uh, such and such. Yeah, you're putting salt in it, but it doesn't need salt. No, I worked like I worked this out. Per it, if you want, if you need salt, then I did it wrong. And just throw it away. Yeah. And the thing is, on the one hand, I I, I understand. But on the other hand, you know. <laughs> There's a thing I heard. I think it was Breaking Bad. Um, where it's like cooking is like uh, you can do that kind of thing. Baking is very like scientific and specific or something. Yeah, I am terrible at baking and because you have to follow precise instructions. I'm pretty good at cooking because exactly. you can improvise and say, well, a pinch of this or some of this. So I actually, I'm watching, I'm like, well, that makes kind of sense. It'd make more sense if she was do- making, like, a pie or something. Yeah. I also, also like I love very... the idea of Steph going, here's this pie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got Chekhov's pie there. That Not not Pavel Chekhov, just uh, Anton Chekhov. But you got Chekhov's pie there in that someone's going to take it in the face before the end of the episode. Well, that's how the uh, that's how this, the episode is going to end. There's going to be a big, uh, there's going to be, be a big pie fight between the, uh, the Alliance and the uh, evil bad guys. Yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. As long as Neelix get most of the pies. I mean, he does, but the the pies are full of glass. Good. Good. Still don't like Neelix. Nope. I like the, they they bring up the possibility that Seven could just replace Neelix as as the cook, and he seems hurt by that, and I seem delighted by that. Yep. So. They should have given her a chef's hat, that's all I'm saying. I suppose so. That would have been adorable. It would have. Or an apron that says, like, assimilate the cook or something like that. (laughs) I could, I could do better than that. That was just off the top of my head. Kiss that's the cube. Good. That's good enough for uh, for Voyager. <laughs> Fair enough. Whatever your first lamest joke is, that's good enough for Voyager. I mean, that seems to be how they write episodes. Uh huh. Your first lamest concept. Yeah, just just write that. Who? Whatever. What if? Uh, what if they were attacked by a big turtle? Yeah, Fine. that sounds scary. Do it. Yeah, and now somebody bring me a two-parter. Yeah, what if they were attacked by two big turtles? Excellent, good. I love it. Yeah, Promote that man. Yep. Uh, You're going to be our head writer on Enterprise. Oh, good. Oh, good. What if the Klingons came back? 
What if the Borg came back? What if the Ferengi came back? Uh, this guy's well, the, full of great ideas. Hey, why don't we just do every episode we've already done, only with blander characters? Okay, don't write in and tell me Enterprise is better. I don't care. <laughs> at this point, I'm just not going to like it. What are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing, that's why. Come at me. I was going to say, what are you going to do? Stop listening? But nerds won't stop. you got to listen to everything. Now that you've committed to this, you have to listen to every episode. Please don't stop listening. No, please don't. I have nowhere else to go. <laughs> I mean, we could review Quantum Leap. I don't want to review Quantum Leap. Yeah, me neither. I'm already hoping that each episode we review is the one that'll take me home. <laughs> but you see, I thought I would, uh, each episode. Like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. You got anything else for this one? What else happened in this fucking episode that I like so goddamn much? <laughs> I, I feel like we've covered most of it, but uh, oh, uh, fucking okay. I, I want to actually ask you about this, okay? So, yeah. like, there's a part where someone like they're being attacked, and I forget who, but someone shows up and like we're being attacked by a vaguar. Like it's mm -hmm. like someone we've heard of. Is that someone we've heard of? And I just forgot. I had the same exact note. Are we supposed to know who the vaguar? Like someone's like, oh, whatever. Like it's a big deal. Uh huh. No, I don't know. We're talking know. about crazy person. The thing is, and and I know some people don't love this about us. This is just us. Like we, I I remember sort of fundamental things. I remember like characters that made an impact on me, but I don't remember every single alien race, every generic bumpy headed guy. Like it's possible one of those forgettable episodes from season five had those guys, mm -hmm. and I forgot. I don't know if like I I don't I I'm just not great at that, unfortunately. Yeah. I feel like one of us should be if we're doing this kind of a show, but we've we've gotten this far. That's what we have guest hosts for. No, there. I mean, some of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got Flunk who can who can tell which kind of tricorder it is from like one corner of it. Yeah, Flunk will know. Flunk right into the show. And you got Brian who knows the uh, the 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 uh, history of every actor, like every other thing they've been in. Mm -hmm. And and then you got Tidro, who's like a, an expert in um, uh, costumes and hair. Yep. Uh, mostly hair. I, was, I don't know why I said costumes. A little bit of costumes, but mostly hair. I'm starting to wonder um, what we bring to this show. Mm, well, knives, I guess. Isn't that the other one? Yeah, yeah, there's the knives. Demolitions expert, there's knives. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Post-Atomic Fox Force 5. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, no. Did we do my All quote? Right. I can't remember. Yes, we did. Okay, good. Let us now move forward to Workforce, part one. <sighs> of thousands. Hey, everyone, it's Kate. You know, Catherine, Catherine Janeway of the Starship Voyager. Only now she's in a lavender jumpsuit doing some kind of highly technical job on a grimy industrial planet. And she has no memory of Voyager or any of her crewmates. What an amazing, mind-blowing premise. You have completely hooked me with this entirely original turn of events. But wait... Tuvok, Tom, and Balana are also here, and they also have amnesia. You know, I've mentioned before that I watch a lot of soap operas as research for the comedy soap opera that I produce, and I can honestly say that the Voyager crew have collectively suffered amnesia more than in every soap opera I've seen combined. Times three. Meanwhile, and by meanwhile, I mean after we spend two full acts not knowing what the hell is going on with our characters on this dumb planet, a shuttle returns to Voyager. The shuttle contains Star Trek answers, Star Trek's answer to the B arc from Hitchhiker's Guide, Chakotay, Neelix, and Harold. Seriously, if that shuttle were to accidentally fly into a star, I would not be dreading these last ten episodes nearly as much as I am. But no, 
Turns out these guys are Voyager's only hope. Well, them and the Doctor, who I could also do without these days. He's on the ship by himself, so naturally he's promoted himself to captain and changed into a red uniform. And now it falls to the fully assembled Team Useless to figure out where the rest of the crew went and what happened to them. Guys, I'll save yourself some trouble. They're on a stupid planet and they have amnesia. This should have been your second or third guest after maybe trapped on the holodeck and transported back to season one. So Chuck and Neelix disguise themselves as workers to infiltrate the dumb industrial planet, leaving Harold and the Doctor in charge. Then, because it's a two-parter, everyone suddenly finds themselves in deadly danger that we'll spend a full hour extricating ourselves from next week. This one... Oh my god. Okay, like... Mm -hmm. First of all, the the first two acts, which are about nothing... Yep. Are just... It's all about setting up this stupid planet that I don't give a shit about. Well, this is my bad thing. Like, seriously, Voyager, stop opening episodes with some stupid, mind-blowing situation. I said this before, but it bothers me more every time. By creating some stupid mystery where nobody's where they're supposed to be or acting the way they should act, you're distracting me from the actual story and making me constantly guess where the stupid twist is. It's an effective device on other shows because they use it sparingly, but you do it every fucking week. It stopped being interesting a long time ago. Now it's just tedious and distracting. I just, I'm constantly guessing, like, ooh, is it this? Is it this? And I don't pay attention to what's going on because I'm always wondering when we're going to get back to normal. It's just like we open and here's here's Kate fucking getting led around at her new job at the fucking nuclear power plant Uh or whatever. And I just sink down in my chair and go, okay, what the fuck is this week? All right. And again, it's effective if you use it sparingly. If they did Mm -hmm. an episode like this maybe once a season where it's like, huh. Tuvok is laughing. That's not right. And no one knows who they are. Huh, that's interesting. But it just, it goes on and on like this. Like so many, like that's the thing. episodes like, open where something's wrong and you got to figure out what, or we're on a planet we've never heard of. What's the deal here? Like, ugh, that it's ugh. just, that's the thing. The writers love doing this. Like it's, uh-huh. it's that blow their minds thing every week. And I'm so tired of it. Just do Star Trek shit. You just did some really good Star Trek shit, and it worked out really fucking good. You did a great episode that reminded me why I watched this show, besides being chained to it. But, like, just, I'm I'm so sick of people being turned into other people and, like, having to do, like, dumb, like, this dumb, you were tricked into this or whatever crap. I like most of the characters on this show. I want to see them do stuff that's like them, you know? I don't want to yeah. see fucking hypnotized fucking Paris working in a bar, hitting on Balana. I don't want to see fucking Tuvok, like, being, like, not a Vulcan and wondering why he's not a Vulcan. I just want to watch these guys do cool space stuff. I, def- yeah, and- I definitely don't want to watch them get jobs. No. They already have jobs. The- that job is exploring space and because they went too far in space getting home. Yeah, I don't want to see fucking Catherine Janeway bang on a computer with a wrench. No, no, I really don't. And again, if they did this sparingly, if they didn't do this all the damn time, it might be interesting because I'm not saying this is a terrible device always. It definitely isn't. But it's it's lost its effect like long, 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 long ago. It's that they love it so much. They love doing it so fucking much. Well, I, I make this joke a lot because it comes up a lot that... Anomalies should not be called anomalies because they are common. Like yeah. the word anomaly implies it is unusual and not something we run into literally every other week. Ugh. And I feel like this is that same kind of thing. It's like you can't blow my minds by uh, 
by opening the episode with everyone being different because you do that so often it it doesn't work anymore yeah. like it doesn't surprise me because it's more common than uncommon at this point like mm-hmm. half the time i don't know if i'm gonna get janeway or amnesia janeway anymore and it's or, dumb or, or descendant janeway or i don't know yeah. robot janeway uh, we haven't done Robot Janeway yet. We should I'd do Robot do Janeway. That'd be amazing. I'd be fine with it. The, pro- the problem is this show doesn't really do robots. They did Data, but they- Data's not here, so they'd probably do a hologram. It's sci-fi. They should do robots. What, what about uh, that robot Bolano was friends with? That was a great robot. That was a fantastic robot, but there haven't been a whole lot of robots in this this series. I am Robot Janeway. I, I feel speak like- mostly the same. Also, the Borg kind of half count, so that's part of it. But I also feel like they probably said, well, Data was the robot. We don't want to do that again. I am half a robot, Janeway. Remember yeah. that time I got turned into a Borg for five seconds and nobody gave a shit? And everything went back to normal at the end, which is exactly what's going to happen here. All this amnesia stuff is also going to be basically amnesia out of their heads. Uh-huh. Beep boop. So the whole premise, as far as I can tell, is this... This planet needs a workforce, as implied by the title. They need people to do menial jobs. So they steal people from ships, wipe their minds, and make them do jobs? That's dumb. And give... give This is... Go ahead. And give them, like, benefits and shit. Like, they're not... they do. I don't know. From what I saw in the episode, like, they get jobs. But it's not slavery. You get, like, you get, like, a paycheck. It's a shitty paycheck. But no, it's like, it's like a blue-collar job. Sometimes it's it's more like, like, Janeway, obviously, they're using her knowledge of, I don't know, physics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, she's doing, you know, she's working at a panel uh, among a lot of panels in some, like, NASA control room kind of thing. But, but like... It's, it's yeah. not it's not slavery, which would make almost make more sense to me. It's like, well, here's a here's a not great job. Yeah, that you forget who you were. And now you just want to do this job. We turn everyone into like Homer Simpson. Uh, basically. Just I a did. crappy factory job. Just another face in a purple jumpsuit. Yep. The bosses didn't like them, so they pulled them out of space. I used to watch that, like, the bosses didn't like him, so they shot him in the face. That's horrible. It is horrible. That show would be over very quickly if that happened. (laughs) If I was writing sketch comedy in 19, like, 1994, that one would get it. That would have been my go-to. No no one would get it. Nobody watched that show then. I mean, maybe if I was writing uh, sketch comedy on the Comedy Channel. Yeah, man. (laughs) Right, Ha. Deep uh, Mystery Science Theater episode guide cuts. Yep. <laughs> Wither season seven, Matt. <laughs> no, it just like, okay, the premise is dumb. These people need workers, and so they steal highly skilled people from other ships to do their work, but they also make them think they're other people. But yeah. on top of that, this is good enough for a two-parter? Really? Yeah, no. The, it feels like the, the only of the re- series. It feels like the only reason it's a two-parter is because they spent the first two acts explaining what the fuck was going on. Well, they didn't explain. We spent all that time following our new, quote-unquote, new characters in this dumb environment. Mm-hmm. They didn't really explain what happened. They just kind of, oh, look, here's Janeway doing her dumb job. Here's Tom well, I mean, fired from his dumb job and working at a bar. Well, I mean, I definitely saw enough of it that I figured out what was going on before they were like, okay, so here's what's going on. I figured it out in the fucking teaser. Like, yeah. just get on with it. All right, fine. You gave everybody a job. This is stupid, and it's I keep definitely saying that, not. And it keeps sounding fucking dumb to me. I, I mean, you know, we both have jobs. Jobs are important, but also this is Star Trek. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. 
That's that's uh, how how did this happen? Who thought this was a good idea? Ugh. Yeah. Fucking terrible. Just Yeah, no, what if we got to watch everyone in our on our cool spaceship work? What if they didn't know each other, didn't remember any of the last seven years, and just uh did menial tasks? Yeah, that sounds like a great two parter. Yeah. I mean it's not a great one parter, which is what we call them. <laughs> But it it is like is definitely not worth two. No, fight some like fucking fucking fight a big space monster or something. I mean they've done that. I get that they want to try something different. I do genuinely get that, but not this. <sighs> Just do some damn space stuff. I mean I say this almost every single time in my notes. Just open with the ship and captain's log. It's okay. Just do that. You don't Found have it. to. Found a cool metaphor planet. We're on a different planet and other things are happening here. So, don't care. And uh, everyone on this planet turns out to be a Roman centurion. Okay. Fine. How about that? That doing anything for you? Well, at least you didn't get a fucking uh, uh, blue-collar job. Old Captain Janeway getting her hard hat and her her lunchbox and going to work. (laughs) Breaks over. Yabba dabba do. (laughs) Wait, that's the Jetsons. Yeah. And then, um, and every time they do a an establishing shot of the place where they work, you hear the uh, the hawk. Which, which you love. You love the, the crowing of, of birds. I love that. I love that fucking The Simpsons crow. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Anyway, yeah, we spent a lot of time doing this and, and for no good reason. And it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we go to the other guys, which, I, like I said, is the team useless. Like, Oh, ugh. God, right? And then we get to, like, the meanwhile, we cut back to the ship and what? We got Chuck, Harry, and Neelix fucking flying around in space. And, and the like, doctor who, like, the captain goes out for smokes and he puts on the red uniform. Oh, look, I've got four pips. I'm in charge. No, d- d- knock it off. Yeah. Now, I, I will have to, I do have to say, at one point, like, uh, there's a flashback where Janeway does put him in charge and make no, him no, the I did, command. No, no, I did like that. But when he first showed up, I was just like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. No, I've got my nice, I've got my nice handsome red uniform on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he gets real shitty about it, too. Well, at the end, they put, they do this terrible thing where it's like, look, Chuck and Neelix have to go. Chuck's the only other Starfleet guy there, so he's like, I guess Harry's in charge. And the doctor's like, uh, wait a minute, I was put in charge. And it's like, which of the kids is in charge, like, gets to babysit while mom's gone? Yeah. No, mom said me. No, I'm more better than you. Eh, more better's not even good grammar. Shut up. Oh, my God, you're up. both in charge of each other. Just shut up. Yeah, it was just, oh. oh man. <laughs> I, there was, my quote, actually, though, comes from the doctor disparaging Harry a bit, which I liked. I've repaired the deuterium injectors, brought secondary propulsion back online, and soothed Ensign Kim's upset tummy. Good work. Good. That was good. Yeah, I'll take that. But also, he had a, he, like, I guess he had food poisoning or something at one point. Surely that's going to be a plot point. That can't just be a thing that happens to someone. That's going to be relevant later. I believe Chuck, or no, I believe Neelix refers to him as having thousands of parasites. I mean, okay. I mean, isn't Neelix just thousands of parasites? Yeah, in a skin suit. <laughs> and a hair suit, Matt. Come on. Oh, no, no, I mean I mean the suit that he wears. 
Oh, right. It's made of skin. That hasn't come up before, of but it's accurate. It well, I mean, he's got several of them. They're all made of skin. Yes. The Delta Quadrant's crawling with, like, different kinds of species. They, he could pass for cloth and no one would ever ask, but sure. no, he totally skinned something. I went back to the cloth planet. <laughs> also, I got some canar, which is made from Squozen Cardassian crow. <laughs> That's how you know you're at the Cardassian nuclear plant. <laughs> It's the it's the nuclear pl- uh, center, Al. <laughs> the nuclear entertainment center. <laughs> I was taking my son to the nuclear entertainment center, Major. Of course. Oh, I miss you, Gulducott. Yeah, well, he's never coming back. You monster. Yep. No, we don't do episodes like that. We do. Uh, let, let's go get a job. We do tedious bullshit. Go punch a clock and carry a lunchbox and. Wear a hard hat. <sighs> Boy, it sounds like we like we're really rich and hate people who work. We both work. I want to make that clear. Oh yeah, I work in a warehouse for Christ's sake. All I do yeah. is carry heavy things from one place to another. And I do <laughs> menial data entry. I'm not like a fucking executive or something. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't want to watch other people do it. I can do that all day. Yeah, exactly. We're watching people do basically what we do. Yeah. And uh, no, thank you. I don't want to watch fucking Cap- Captain Janeway fucking open boxes and scan books all day. <laughs> or read people's terrible resumes. Yeah. Just, oh, my God. Why don't you put your name on your resume? What is wrong with you? I actually do kind of want to see Captain Janeway read other people's resumes. She's hey, obviously you just, not. You fill in the blanks, stupid. Jesus Christ. She's obviously not good at picking resumes because she picked Harry's. Yeah, that's true. So, you know. I mean, I can understand hiring Harry based on never having met him. No. It's once you do the job interview that you're like, mm, I don't want this guy. He called me mom. Uh, <laughs> he was in here for 10 seconds, called me mom, and is covered in sweat. Now he's humping my leg and crying? I can play the clarinet, he screamed as I threw him out of my office. <laughs> Get off my leg. <clears throat> uh, 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 uh. I don't like you. Yeah. I have had enough of you. <laughs> Klingon bastard, you killed my son. She have a son? Uh, you killed my puppies. Oh, no. Not her puppies. That's somehow worse. Now I feel bad. Yeah. I'd just like to point out, no puppies were killed during that uh, that joke I made. No, God, no. They were all stunt puppies. Yep. Just hypothetical puppies. Hypothetical puppies wearing helmets for their protection. (laughs) (laughs) But they're like those uh, beer can helmets. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You have a text, Matt. Uh, yeah, I do. I just threw my phone at the garbage. <laughs> well, don't do that. Just turn the turn the sound off. I can't. The switch on the side is broken. No. Oh. Did did drunk Matt disable it so that you would never miss a text? <laughs> drunk Matt wants to make sure that I'm always constantly aware of people trying to get in contact with me. Uh, that's fair. That's good. Uh, what drunk- else about this episode? I don't fuck. Okay, let's <laughs> let's break this down and get some fucking points out of the way. Yeah, what, uh, what, what, I don't know, good thing. What do you got? Uh, I really like the, 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 the city design. The grimy industrial. They cut back and it's a pretty cool looking city. It reminded me a bit of, uh, the, the Axis Chemicals set from, uh, uh, Burton's Batman. Like, it was very industrial. We were talking about this, uh, before the episode. As soon as you said that, I fucking, like, yeah, no, it actually really does. Just in the daytime. Yeah. Which nothing ever happens in Gotham City in the daytime. No. 
Lots of lots of pipes though. Lots of like it's very like. And I, my note says the CG hasn't aged well, but I like the design of it. And I yeah, like that seems right. Like yeah, it, it clearly looks like it's not like a painting or a model. It looks computer generated, but the look of it, you're right. There's actually the, during one of those shots there uh, that you can see like a tiny alien walking in to do his like to go to work or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's got that the the CGI Jar Jar Binks sort of sort of walk. Mm-hmm. That sort of weird sway where your entire body's moving back and forth walk, which I guess CGI. Okay. I know what you mean, but I'm not sure. Like, I don't know enough about that. Kind of <laughs> I know what you mean, but I don't know why you said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know why it's a thing. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to work. Slide. Maybe, in. maybe like when CGI became a thing, like CGI characters were so arrogant and full of themselves that they just strutted around like they owned the place. Oh, that makes yeah, sense. I'm going to, re- I'm going to replace all you real life guys. I'm Ten- the, the big man on campus now. 10 years from now and it'll be nothing but us in movies. Uh-huh. It's pixels all the way down, man. Yep. Look at me. I'm strutting around. That guy's a jerk. Yeah, pretty much a jerk. I'm glad he has to work at a crappy factory. <laughs> He's a big wheel down at the crappy factory. <laughs> we don't know if CGI characters eat crackers. Frankly, we don't want to know. <laughs> I sleep in my assigned quarters in a factory. <laughs> Do you sleep in your assigned quarters in a factory? I sleep on a starship. With Balana. Uh, what was your oh, bad thing? God. Uh, I think I've sort of already addressed it. This episode is very boring. I think this is the first time that's come up. Very, very boring. Really? We compare it to other boring things. Oh, uh, I mean, like, things I'd rather be doing. Uh-huh. Dicking around. <laughs> staring, uh, staring at my collection of action figures and remembering where I got each of them. Okay, was it like... Playing- <laughs> Playing with my fidget cube. Yeah, mine's mine's just out of reach now. I mean, it has to be if you want to get any goddamn work done on this show. I know. And not fill it with clicks. Well, the thing is, I get plenty of work done. I just, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound great. Checking in on my Avengers Academy. The Guardians of the Galaxy event just started, so that's important. I don't know why, but for some reason I I, I was certain you were going to say the Guardians of Gahul. (laughs) I don't know why. I thought that's you mean. You, uh, you mean a uh, uh, Zack Snyder hit the Guardians of Gahul? Yeah, the uh, the the owl, uh, the epic owl tale about owls. We're just, owl exterminators. Just fucking love owls. Who doesn't love owls? Yes, Al. Who? Well, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, that was good. I can't deny that was good. It was terrible, but it oh, was good. Oh, fuck. Gotta, gotta give you props for that one. <laughs> My good thing. Yes. Uh, and this is, this is, this is under protest. Like, this is begrudging. You've used up all your I don't have a good thing. Nah, yeah, I can't do that anymore. No, <laughs> for I, Voyager, anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kate gets laid. Yeah. I almost never agree who she ends up with. And this is yet another case of uh, this dude kind of comes on a bit strong and just like, hey, I'm basically your boyfriend. Right. And she just kind of eventually caves and says, ah, yeah, sure. Why not? And I don't love that. But I, Kate has not seen quite as much action as maybe some of the other the dude captains have. Like, that is definitely true. I mean, obviously not as much as Kirk, probably not as much as Picard, maybe as much as Cisco, because he really only had like a couple of. Well, yeah, he had a steady girl. He had a steady girlfriend for most yeah, of the his, series. He had his wife before the series started and then he had uh, Cassidy. And I think that's about it. Like, I mean, for honestly, like if we want to get back to fucking Cisco, like 
you know, he didn't seem like the kind of guy who sort of got out there regularly. No, he's a serial monogamist. But on the other hand, like we only met him after he already had a kid and had been married. Like, yeah, you're, you're in kind of a different place in your life at that point. Young Cisco, before he started dating Jennifer, could have been a dog. We don't know. Mm hmm. Like we 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 have heard tales from like Curzon and other people that were at the academy with him that that he was a bit of a of a wild child, so it's possible. Yeah. Well, and also like it, the way the show worked, like his wife had been only been dead for like what like a year, two years when yeah. uh, when the show I'm, started. No, not even that. I think it was a couple of months, but no. I, maybe I could be wrong. I don't know. But regardless, yeah, he was still grieving and he still had his kid to look out for, so mm. he couldn't just be dating anyone all the bringing home whoever all the time. But anyway. Picard definitely got around a bit, more than people, I think, realize. Because mm-hmm. they always say, oh, Kirk had all the women. No, Picard had a few. Pic- look, Picard did all right, okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, Patrick Stewart's a sexy guy, and therefore Picard is a sexy guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kate has not been so lucky. There really hasn't been a whole lot of episodes about that, which is t- kind of too bad. Yeah. I mean, she should, like, if that's her thing, if she's, like... If for whatever reason they had decided, no, she and her fiance are still a thing, like he's still going to wait for her. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, I guess that's all right. But they clearly said he wasn't. And I thought that was to open up the possibility of her, you know, falling for somebody. And she barely has. Yeah. So I don't like this guy, but I'm I'm happy for Kate, the character as a fan of of the character. I'm glad, you know, good. I was going to I was going to say, well, I mean, you know, she has a type. But then I realized that I was thinking of her descent or her ancestor. Yeah, this guy reminded me a little of him, I suppose. Right? Of Bill Janeway or whatever his name was. I don't remember now. Yeah, Bill Janeway. It was something dumb. The like lover that. of Rome. Uh huh. The hater the, of technology. The hater of everything of that wasn't Rome. Yeah. You know, the ancient Romans did a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Mm, I don't know if they did anything more interesting than a Super Nintendo. <laughs> Uh, I have no, I have no reply to that. Come at me, everybody! Prove me wrong. No, you could be right. Um, Aqueducts no, more interesting like than a he... Super Nintendo? No. <laughs> this dude like came on a bit strong. Like I say, he he basically just sort of wormed his way in. Like on her first day of work, hey, you're new around here. Oh, it it like... was very much him walking up, going, "Hey, I'm your love interest for this episode." Yeah. You want to have some sex? So I didn't love that. But on the other hand, you know, good okay, for her. Good. Yeah. And she's not hooking back up with Chuck. So that's something. Uh, uh, look, every every time she doesn't have sex with Chuck, I consider that a small victory. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so. And yeah. That, that's not pretty ju- much all because, I got. Not just because I don't want her to have sex with Chuck, but because I don't want Chuck to have sex with anyone. I, we know. The thing is. And I guess this is a spoiler. We're 10 episodes away from the show that ended 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chuck and Seven are going to hook up. That is the Ew. thing I know that's going to happen, that people have told me is going to happen. We've only got 10 episodes left for that to happen, and there is not a single crumb of, like, like there's nothing there yet. Are they They've just going like, to suddenly... they conversations. Like, yeah. what? They have had as many conversations as any... Take any random pairing of, of characters. Mm-hmm. They've, they've talked to each other occasionally, but... There's not really any chemistry there. But I mean, I mean there like, there's definitely be, not. You know. There's definitely not the setup that like Paris and Bellana got, or even the setup that Worf and Deanna had. Yeah, which was felt a bit out of nowhere. But they actually laid some groundwork there, as we found when we watched it all in order. Yeah, yeah there's there's a little bit here and there every now and then. Yeah, when, when she helps with Alexander, it seems like there's a there's a bit of like bonding there. But anyway, 
No, just out of nowhere. Well, series is almost done, Chuck says, as he looks at his watch. Guess we mm-hmm. should probably get down to fucking. I, I, I guess. I suppose. I mean, we already got uh, we already got uh, Tom and Bellana as far as a couple goes. We don't have to pair everyone up. It's fine. Yeah, the series is almost over. Everybody needs to hook up with somebody. <sighs> Harry Kim's desperately looking around, but everyone's already hooked up. Mm-hmm. Ugh, Neelix, God damn it. <laughs> Janeway's just doing that thing where you put your arm around yourself and make it look like you're making out with someone who isn't there. <laughs> yep, sorry. I'm got in a, love. Got a, got a real hunk here. <laughs> He's a hunk. Have you met yeah, my I boyfriend? Say hunk. Who, have you met my boyfriend who lives in Canada? <laughs> my boyfriend, George Glass. <laughs> Believe me, you Brady Bunch fans out there are gonna love that one. That might be a little too much for you, but your kids are gonna love that reference. <laughs> your six kids from two marriages are gonna love that reference. <laughs> two of whom are dating behind the scenes. <laughs> Ew. Did you ever see those movies? The Brady Bunch movies? Yeah. Yeah, they were good. They're actually quite funny, and they did some sort of meta stuff where Marsha and Greg almost hooked up. Yeah, there was a couple, like, those were, like, I I always slot those in with the Wayne's World movies as being stupid TV show movies that shouldn't work but do. Oh, and the Addams Family movies. Those are both I believe they were directed by the same person, if I'm not mistaken. That makes sense. There's definitely some connection there. I might be remembering wrong, but... uh... Uh, the Adam, yeah, I guess the Adams. I don't. I don't really see Wayne's World as being the same kind of thing though, because it's not really an old TV show. They I guess resurrected. that's true. It like was it a was, popular sketch that then transitioned to a like, movie. I always a forget different. that Wayne's World was on the air, like on SNL, when those movies were coming out. Yeah, maybe like a, it had been gone, maybe like a year or two. Yeah, like, like it could be that Mike Myers and Dana Carvey left SNL just to do that, but but it, like, it was not that old. But like, there's there's those movies like they all came out around the same time, and they were all better than they really should have been. Yeah. Now, it's uh, for the Brady Bunch, it was because they did not take the uh, source material seriously. They made fun of it. Mm-hmm. They, it was basically just, yeah, we all remember this fondly, but it, it's also kind of dumb. Let's just let's just have a good laugh at how dumb it is, but also be kind of earnest with it at the same time. And it was it was nice. Like, it was a nice blend of that stuff. Well, I mean, how else do you do a Brady Bunch movie? I guess you could make like those weird like spinoff movies they made where they came back for Christmas like 30 years later or whatever. Yeah, and most of those were not comedy. They were dramatic. Right? I think I watched one of them once. As, as I recall, uh, I think Bobby drove a race car and maybe got paralyzed or something. I don't know. Anyway. Do, do people want to, like, is that a thing you want to see when you go back to fucking, like, yeah, we're doing a Brady Bunch reunion movie. Uh, one of the one of those kids that you, like, gets fucking paralyzed. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome. Do people want to see Archie and Miss Grundy fuck? Apparently they do. <laughs> so, you know. That show just got renewed, so. I mean, there's a part of me that is glad because that's awful trash that I'm going to use as fodder for my comedy soap opera but it's, it's not a good show no it's it no we watched the first couple episodes it's like mm. i see it's exactly the kind of like garbage that i enjoy so yeah all right uh we're coming up a little short again so let's uh let's really we, really even with all that off topic crap i know uh let's see this one comes from dan and he says uh, this is about critical care and prime directive from a few weeks ago he says um Listening to the critical care episode, Al made a comment about the Doctor violating the Prime Directive. I feel like the Prime Directive has been distorted a lot by Voyager and Enterprise to come. I think in Enterprise they didn't have it yet. I think part of that is them realizing they need to develop it. I'm sure that at some point in that, in, I'm fucking calling this now. I'm going to point in the fucking uh, point at the fucking stands. At some point, someone on Enterprise is going to go. We need some kind of directive. 
some kind of prime directive so that this never happens again. Could be. I, the thing is, as a concept, if you're doing a prequel series, that's not a bad secret origin to do. Like, mm. I don't love the secret origin of some other things they do, like the Klingons' foreheads. But, like, if they say, when we went out there, we didn't think we had a need for this. And then, oh, shit. Yeah, maybe we do. Like, showing the colossal fuck-up that led to mm. the creation of the Prime Directive, that's a that's a potentially good story. No, but I literally am saying that someone at the end of oh, an you're episode probably is, right. is we'll going to go, we need camera. some kind of, of directive, some kind yeah. of Prime Directive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he says, my understanding is specifically you should not interfere with a civilization that has not discovered warp drive yet. Picard mentions it. Yeah, I mean, this has come up a lot. Yeah. But also we had recently where they said it was a pro- Oh, it was the uh, the death penalty issue. And I brought yes. this up last week uh, where they're trying to change the, uh, you know, political structure of this uh, civilization who was clearly warp capable because they were out in deep space yeah. being rescued. And like. The, uh, the the Voyager guys were still like, nope, Prime Directive can't do anything. So, you know, the, the show is also a bit inconsistent with when the Prime Directive applies or not. I yeah. think I think it shows up. I, I think it applies to both, honestly. Like, I think you're not supposed to. Uh, well, you're not. You shouldn't interfere with pre-warp civilizations at all. Like, observe, but, uh, uh, you know, don't interact or whatever. Right. But, like, you also, you don't have the right to go to some other civilization and start uh, telling them why they're wrong. Yeah. I no, think it's I sort think, of the deal. If, maybe if that doesn't fall under the Prime Directive, it should be a directive of some mm-hmm. kind. So, uh, this one comes from Chris, and Chris says, I just listened to your Shattered and Lineage episode, and something stood out. I know you guys spoke well of the scene in Shattered where Chakotay goes to the cargo bay to get a bottle of wine he's hiding from Neelix, but all I can think about is there must be a deleted scene from Caretaker, where Chakotay is piloting his Maquis fighter into the Kazon ship, and right before they beam him out, and he goes and roots around in the basement of his ship for a big box of wine. <laughs> I never realized until I watched the show with you guys how little the writers care for continuity. Yeah, good point. Yep, you're right. I mean, I I did not necessarily get the impression that that was originally Chakotay's wine. No, he stole it from somebody. Yeah. But I mean, somebody who was already on Voyager. But I I like this better. This is definitely good. Yeah. Uh, one more. <laughs> we we from... we gotta get out of we gotta get out of here. The caretaker is blowing up the ship. Hang on a sec. I no, this is very important. If we end up being friends and I end up having a weird pseudo romantic relationship with the captain, I'm gonna need this entire crate of wine. I am not going to go live with Starfleet and not be able to get completely shit-faced. I'll tell you that right now for nothing. Uh, on the other hand, taking one look at Janeway, maybe not even reading her profile, just looking at her. You know what? I bet bringing some wine will help me in some way. <laughs> just just based on just looking at her. I, I, well, feel I, like, I feel like this wine will serve me in some way. I don't have any mom vintage box wine, but uh, maybe she'll settle. Yeah. It's uh, wine is wine. I mean, you know, we're not going to be stomping grapes out here in the Delta Quadrant. So, uh, yeah. Is there uh, anything this... I love making fun of as much of as box wine? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, there's plenty of things. There's that um, that fan. Yeah, that no, I, I do love making fun of that fan. The mm-hmm. shovel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one comes from Justin and he says, hey, Alan, Matt, I hey. found your show in a strange way. As a Star Trek fan, I had it recommended to me on several occasions, but I hadn't really taken the plunge. Really, several people in your life listen to our show. That's that's great. That is amazing. Yeah. About two years I, ago. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was at a con a couple of years ago uh, waiting in line 
and uh, a guy, I was wearing my my paw shirt, and a guy points and goes, "What is that?" I'm like, uh, "Post Atomic Horror." It's a Star Trek podcast, and he goes, "Oh, I've heard of that." I'm like, "Really?" Okay, good. <laughs> maybe maybe our friend at Kotaku is like, maybe that's like we should give that more credit than we already have, which is a lot. Yeah. Like, maybe they just see it. I, I don't know. Like, I have a vague idea of how many people are listening, but I have no idea how they know about the show because, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is really hard to figure out. Because we're re- we're really, really low on the on uh, iTunes list of new and notable podcasts. I, well, I mean, we're definitely not new. I would say notable, but uh, uh-huh. like that's 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 debatable. But uh, new? We've been, I mean, we launched in 2010 and we've been coming out weekly since then. Yep. So not exactly new. Uh, he God, we've been doing this a long time. Yeah, we have. Uh, about two years ago, I had a death in the family that left me pretty raw, and I found I couldn't take extended periods of silence. Your excellent podcast was a genuine help, and I listened to five years of podcasting in about six months. Thank you both. I really can't repay or explain how helpful it was to hear you guys make jokes about Trek and take my mind off things. I love hearing stuff like that. Oh, thanks a lot, man. That's really that. That's always really yeah. awesome to hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we can help people there. Yeah. Uh, he says, ever since I caught up, I've been listening week to week, and the show is always a bright spot in my week. That said, I watch most of what you covered so far in the show. Okay, I bounced in and out of Voyager, but I watch more than enough to know all the characters and keep up with whatever dumb things happen in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> never watched Enterprise, though. I saw the pilot, thought it was dumb, never came back. So I think I'm going to have to subject myself to at least some of Enterprise just to get a feel for the characters and general tone of the show. Can't say I'm looking forward to that, but a lot of people tell me seasons three and four are pretty good. I don't know. I feel like that might just be far enough into it to develop some sort of stock home syndrome about a bad show guess we'll all find out together yeah thanks for the words uh, yeah no thank you so much I, I again i personally you can do what you like i am calling a moratorium on uh people defending enterprise <laughs> just not like okay you might be right you might like the show it might get better in its fourth season i we both have admitted we're wrong on so many occasions now. yeah Look, at this point, I would be so happy to get into Enterprise and find out that I actually like it and give a Find shit out all the it. characters are super compelling and the plots are like stuff we haven't seen before and all yeah. the retcons make total sense and make make all of the history of Star Trek so much better. But yeah. God, I, look, after all this Voyager, man, I would love Enterprise to be good. I really would. Well, I don't think Flon- that's going to happen. Flonk says it is. So, you know, well, does love it a lot. I I. I mean, I usually respect that guy's opinion. Oh, no, I respect the hell out of Flunk. I really do. I just don't agree with him. <laughs> and I I watched a lot of this show, and I know the characters are not very interesting. And I watched a couple of the episodes from season four that are supposed to be so great, and I just, no, no thank you. I do know this, like, uh, Enterprise has been around a long time now, and I can only name about three characters from that show. Yeah, if I strained, I could probably name some of them, but I definitely could not name the main bridge crew. Like, going in, I watched, I, I didn't watch a whole ton of Voyager back when it was on originally, but I could still name everyone on that show. Oh, yeah, we all know who the guys are. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Enterprise, I, I don't know. Bunch of Blandos. Yeah. But we'll see. Again, one of the great things about this show for us has been being wrong. We mm-hmm. thought the, the original series was kind of a cheesy thing we'd have to get through to get to the good stuff and we yeah guess what it's great it. yeah we thought uh we thought like and next it, gen was more good than bad and unfortunately it was about half and half but mm-hmm. it, it's and i didn't like being wrong there but still <laughs> we uh, thought uh deep space nine was the best one and we were correct we were right yeah it's like our preconceived notions are often incorrect and i sure. would love we i thought i didn't like janeway that's the big one yeah yeah me too turns out she's maybe my favorite character on this show 
Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. And there are other characters I like. It's not like she's the only good one. Just... No, I like uh, the the most surprising thing about Voyager is uh, like how much I actually like the characters for the most yeah. part. I mean, yeah. it, look, there's the ship of idiots that I don't want to fucking pay. Yeah, there's three to. guys I don't like, but that leaves like five or six guys I do like yeah. more than half. So, you know, and the doctor's sort of always in the middle there somewhere. I mean, he he was fine for a long time. And, no, then some, sw- and then he and then he flicked a switch, and we were like, "Oh, shut up!" Uh, some people go up and down in the standings. I mean, I hated Tom, and now I kind of like him. Yeah, Balana was kind of becoming a nothing, and then she got good again. Yeah, so you know, it, it comes and goes. But mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, I definitely like more than half the characters here, and I don't know if that's going to happen with Enterprise, but we'll we'll see. All right, that's all for this time. Uh, speaking of Enterprise, noted Enterprise lover Flonk, he will be mm-hmm. joining us next week. Excellent to cover the uh, the second part of Workforce. So there's, there's another hour of that and then something else. So looking forward to that. Only 10 episodes left. Yep. Getting down to the end. Thankfully. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, all for this time. That's it. Remember to review and like us on iTunes. Yeah, uh, do that thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.